Amen. No, I'm teasing you. I will, I will be mindful of time. I, I never, my first goal is to always mind the Lord. And uh, I believe some preachers can really mind the Lord and exhaust the people of God at the same time. So I'm going to try to mind the Lord and not exhaust you. But uh, I'm thankful that the Lord is here and that he's moving. Amen. You know what? One of the biggest problems we're having today, and I hope this is understood. You know, we, we talked about for years, and maybe it's the case in a lot of places, but look around you this morning. The church is full. Brother, your church is full. I don't know if y'all are talking about building. I don't know if you're talking about doing another service, but your church is full. That's a blessing. And where I go, I see a lot of churches that are full. And I remember the, the years of people saying, people don't want God, they don't want to go to church. Churches are empty. And churches ain't empty of people. They are empty of power. They're empty of prayer. And you want to show me a church that's doing something, you show me those altars that are being used. Pews can be used and never get you anywhere. What good does it do if the pews are full and the, and the, the altars are dry and the pulpits are shallow? Well, I thank God that we've gathered today in a place where we felt the presence and the power of God and amen, seeing people worship throughout this building. You ain't got no idea what that does to me. I've been in church three services this weekend, and it's hard to see anybody worshiping in that big old building over there that we was just at. Amen, you got them lights are blinding you, and you can't hear no amens. It, it's done my heart good to hear an amen this morning. Amen. 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 I, I, they told me the, the meeting was really good over there at, at that Jubilee, but I couldn't hear nothing. Amen. Amen. As loud as that place was, can you believe it? I could hardly hear nothing. Amen. But I'm telling you what, it does my heart good. And I, I wouldn't dare do anything that would grieve the Lord intentionally. Um, and I don't even know if I get to preach this the way that I would normally preach it, but I'm going to at least read these scriptures and we'll walk through a few of these verses and see what the Lord has for us. I want you to turn to Psalm 138. Psalm 138. And uh, normally we'd read all the verses. Somebody would be glad that ain't Psalm 119. <laughs> but I'm not even going to do that. For the sake of time, I'm just going to read the last few verses. And we're really just going to be in one of those Verse 6 says, Though the Lord be high, yet he hath respect unto the lowly. But the proud he knoweth afar off. And though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. I need somebody to at least be a little bit glad. That whether you're walking in a good place or a bad place, a high place or a low place, He's willing, able, and wanting to come to where you are and put some life back inside you. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies. We ought to take five laps around the building right there. 
<laughs> Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemy. Oh, Lord. You ever had God just point something out to you right in the middle of your preaching? You better, you better, if you underline in your Bible, you might, and I need to borrow a pen because I'm going to need to underline this. Let's read that again. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the what? The wrath. He did not say thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against mine enemy. But he did say against the what? The wrath. The thing that my enemy's trying to do to me. The hurt they're trying to cause me. The pain, oh Lord, the pain that I've been taking to bed every night. You might not go get my enemy. You might not go get Saul. You might not go get Absalom. But every arrow that they're throwing my way, but every word that they're speaking evil against me, God guard me from the wrath of my enemy. That ain't what I come to preach. But I felt, thank you, Lord, for helping me. And thy right hand shall save me. And the Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. And forsake not the works of thine own hands. Father, would you bless the reading of the word of God. Lord, take it, use it for your glory, encourage and help your people. We thank you and we ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. David, what a writer. Uh, you, you get many, many different places of the heart of man when you read the writings of David. You can flip one page over and you can hear some of the best praise you've ever heard in your life. You can flip one page over, you'll see a man worshiping God un, unwavering and unashamedly as he even speaks to his own wife. I've not even to begin to defile my own self. I'm fixing to absolutely embarrass not just you, but I'll embarrass my own feelings when I start praising God after this. And then you flip another page and you read about a man that says, oh God, where are you? Lord, have you forsaken me? Lord, have you forgotten about me? And that's the life of David. It's an ever-living and ever-moving roller coaster of emotions, just like it is for you and I. Uh, I, I, like, I like David in the Old Testament, my New Testament Christian that I have to find some help in. Often it would be Simon Peter, because he's the same way. One moment he's saying, Lord, where shall I go? I ain't got nowhere else to go. Then the next time you find him, he's like, I'm going fishing. <laughs> huh? Lord I'll go to the end of the world with you Lord I'll go with you even unto death and the very next page he said Jesus no, never heard of him Simon Peter walks away from Jesus in his time of need in his time of begging somebody to just stay with him in the garden of Gethsemane I need a friend. Watch with me. That's what Jesus told Simon. When Simon could not stay awake, he looked at Simon and can you fathom this statement from the Lord Jesus? How many of you have ever asked the Lord Jesus to pray for you? I've asked him to pray for me. The Bible says he's sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and I. I don't know if you know it or not, but the Lord Jesus prays for you on a daily basis. 
I have asked him in my time of prayer, preacher, I don't know what to say. Lord, would you pray for me? But can you imagine if Jesus asked you to pray for him? And his disciples that day, he asked, could you not watch? Then he said, pray with me. He couldn't do it. That's the last time he'd ever seen Simon. And then the next time we find Simon Peter, he's running back to see a resurrected Jesus. Then the next time we see him, he's preaching. Whoo, glory, hallelujah, in the book of Acts and about 3,000 is being converted into the church, hallelujah. Amen, you talking about roller coaster of emotions. Simon Peter, he's full of them. David, he's full of them. Me, I'm full of them this morning. Amen, somebody calls, say, how you doing? I say, how much time you got? Y'all know what I'm talking about? How's things been going? Do you really want to know? <laughs> you don't. Then you call me next week. Brother, how, brother, I can't imagine anything being any better. Hey, man, you ever heard the statement? Hey, how's things going? Well, if I got any better, I'd need a twin. Or one preacher said like this, if I got any better, I'd have to take worse pills. <laughs> that ain't too country for up here, is it? I didn't think so. I came on a dirt road underpass over a railroad track a while ago, and I thought, oh, Lord, I'm somewhere where I'm fixing to get killed or, or somebody's going to bring me a peach cobbler. One of the two. Amen. Didn't know which one it was going to be at that moment. I feel more like we're on the peach cobbler side of things now. But about a mile and a half that way, it felt like I was going to get mugged. Okay. I hope none of y'all live a mile and a half over there that way. I'm <laughs> But David brings some of the most profound preaching he has ever done right here in one verse, I believe. The Lord will perfect that. David has learned so much from the days of being a young shepherd boy out in his father's pasture, tending to his father's sheep. Sitting there, if you give me some liberty to use this term a little more freely, sitting there with a guitar in his hand, a harp playing and singing unto God to a mighty man of war to a man after God's own heart there has been a whole lot of ups and there's been a whole lot of downs between the pasture and the king and here's what David has to say about it all the Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. This is what I want you to understand first off, and I may only get the first point, the first sub-point, I don't know. But I'm going to give you what I'll give you, and I'll try to be done by 2.30. First thing we need to understand about David's wisdom in this, the perfecting. Notice the director of the perfecting. David said, who the Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. David has been a young boy. He's been a middle-aged man. And he's at the place that he is now. And he has seen time and time and time again of how people will involve themselves in his life and start trying to move him around, not for his betterment, but for their betterment. David he remembers being that young boy and the preacher showing up down at his daddy's house. 
and him anointing David as he walked through all of the brothers of the household of Jesse. And he said, is there not any others? God told me there, there's be, there would be a king in this house. And finally they go get little David from watching his father's sheep. He comes back and Saul or Samuel said, that's him, that's the one that God sent me here for. And he prayed that prayer of blessing over little old David. David had whole glory. He had no idea in that moment what was lying ahead for him in the days to come. Oh, he had no idea that one day they would sing the song of how Saul has killed his thousands, but how David has killed his tens of thousands. Oh, in one little moment, he never knew what part that God would use him for, truly. But there was something that happened that day down there at Samuel's house, or Jesse's house when Samuel came by. Somebody wasn't quite as happy about it as what David was. Somebody wasn't quite as happy about it as Jesse was or Samuel was. Matter of fact, it wasn't very many days after that is when his father told him to go down to the battle and check on your brother, take some wine and cheese to him. David walks down there to the battle and the first moment of someone playing dictator in David's life comes from none other than his own brother. Y'all want me to just, we'll go, we'll go eat right now. I mean, I've already enjoyed the service, but I can't skip this part and just get to the end. But if y'all want to just leave, we'll leave. The first opposition that David ever had in ministry came from his own. I know why you came down here. That thou mightest see the battle. <laughs> Eliab, the oldest brother. He watches as David is doing none other than just simply what his father has commanded him to do. I hope that sinks in on you a little bit deeper than just a few words of a statement. The only reason why David was down there is because his father told him to go. <laughs> David, go down there and check on your brother. Take him some wine. Take him some cheese. Make sure everything's going good. David walks over the crest of that hillside and he hears the awfulest sound that he'd ever heard. Amen. As Goliath is standing there. Amen. His armor clanking together. His sword being jabbed into the ground. Amen. Cursing Israel. Cursing the God of Israel. And David walks down there and all alive's got to say is not thank you for the food. Thank you for the drink. Thank you for checking on me. But all he said was, I know why you came down here. That thou mightest see the battle. I got bad news for you live. He didn't come down here to observe. He did not come down here to see nothing. He came down here to win this thing. Oh, glory, hallelujah. He came down here to do what nobody else would do. The most mighty men of Israel standing there with their tail between their legs, scared of the enemy. But God sent a little old shepherd boy that was willing to give it all. Don't let your opposition keep you from doing what God has sent you to do. Then, same story. We got somebody else fixing to play dictator in his life. Saul said, so I heard, you're coming down here to win this battle. He said, well, I'm just going to do what I can. 
He said, well, I'll tell you what, young man. He said, you're not dressed for battle. He begins to take off his, the best. Now, you know the mighty men of Israel, the mighty men of war, they had good armor. They had good weaponry, good swords. But it wasn't as good as the king's. Matter of fact, the king's armor is very distinctive. If I can go this far in saying it, that when someone had the king's armor, or when the king had his armor on, and someone was to look out there and they'd see somebody, they'd say, oh my goodness, that's the king. Just as our military today, those symbols, those stripes on the sleeves of their uniform would be the evidence of who they are. There was certain things about the king's armor that on display said, this is who I am. And the king is fixing to take off what's his. And he's fixing to try his best to put it on David. I hope my face is giving how I feel about this away. He takes it off. He said, son, you ain't, you ain't in no shape to go face Goliath. He's nine and a half foot tall, weighs 500 and a half pounds. Son, he's going to take one good look at you and he'll laugh you to death. What you need to do is you need to wear my armor. Put this helmet on. And matter of fact, son, here, I want you to take this out there with you. And can you imagine as the king is handing over to someone that's not even a part of the military, someone that's not even part of this army, and he is handing little old David. Can you, can you imagine what it must have looked like when King Saul handed David that sword? He couldn't even pick that thing up over his shoulder. He's just dragging it around. Hey man, David's got the best armor. David's got the sharpest weaponry. And all of a sudden, Saul's eyes are lighting up. There's one or two things that are fixing to happen. David's fixing to go out on this battlefield and some way, somehow, by the good grace of God, David David's going to find a way to pick that big old sword up, fling that thing toward Goliath, and by a miracle, he'll win the battle. But guess whose armor's down there on the battlefield? Huh? If by some little old chance, David finds a way to win, it ain't David on the battlefield. Because somebody's going to look out their tent window and say, oh my goodness, that's the king's armor. The king has fought the battle with Goliath. He's going to look real good. But he knows he ain't going to win that battle. He said, so this is what we're going to do instead. He said, son, you put this armor on you and you take my sword and bless your little old heart. When Goliath has his way with you, and you're dead out there on that battlefield, I'm going to walk over your dead corpse and I'm going to say I gave him the best to protect him. I gave him the king's armor. I gave him the king's sword. And still, he was no match. If David wins that battle, King Saul's going to look good. And if David loses that battle, King Saul's still going to look good. David said, wait a minute now. He said, I don't know nothing about all this stuff right here. 
I don't know nothing about armor. I don't know nothing about weaponry. Hey, man, I don't know nothing about flinging no sword. He said, but I tell you what, I do know something about. I do know something about leaned over against an oak tree. Hey, man, watching over my father's sheep. He said, and I know what it's like to have a lion come out. I know what it's like to have a bear come out. And I know what it's like to fight a battle, not with a shield, not with a sword, but I know how to fight in the name of the Lord. Oh, Saul, you can play dictator over my life, but there's only one director, and his name is the Lord God of Israel in my life. Here's where we need to get this morning as children of God. We got to quit letting everybody and everything move us around as a little pawn in the game of chess of their life. Amen. Because all they're trying to do is not do it better for you, but do it better for themselves in the end. Amen. But if we'll fall on our faces and say, God, I'm not trying to be moved around. I'm not trying to be handled by the world. I'm not trying to be a piece in someone's game of their life. But God, I'm trying to be led by the Spirit of God. You can read every doctor's book. You can read every good help meet. Amen. Offered information. Amen. Of how to be a father, how to be a husband, how to be a wife, how to be a daughter or son. But until you get your nose in this book and say, Lord, Lord, you're the one that directs my path. The steps of a good man, they ain't ordered by mama, daddy, brothers or sisters or even the preacher. But they're ordered by the Lord this morning. The Lord will perfect that. Let me give you the details. I don't think I'll get to preach my whole sermon, so I'm going to give you three subpoints. I'll preach the rest next time I come back. The director, who? The Lord. What's that next word? Read it. Verse number eight. The Lord, what? Will. Uh oh. <laughs> you ever seen somebody get saved? Preach, I know you have. I've been in ministry a long time. You ever seen somebody get saved? And they didn't exactly look saved when they got saved. And it took them a little while to start looking saved. Y'all know this person? <laughs> took them a little while to start sounding. Saved? We're in too good of a church this morning. Y'all from South Carolina, y'all have to do a little bit more confessing. Amen. Like me. Amen. Let me hit your finger with a hammer one good time. I hope my kids ain't around somewhere. Oh, Lord, forgive me. I ain't got it all perfect. There are people, I mean, as soon as they get up off the altar, I mean, some, some Christians, they just expect them to get up off there with a shirt and a tie on. They expect them to... They expect this lady that came in with a life of regret and a life of bad choices and a life of heart. They expect her to get off there looking like a 65-year-old granny with her, her hair just freshly permed down at the beauty salon. Waving a handmade crocheted hanky. Shouting like a Comanche Indian. And the Lord just got a needle out of her arm. The Lord just got him off a bar stool. I think it's what David is saying. You might not like what you see in me, but it's all right. 
because he did not say the Lord has. He did not say the Lord did. But he said, you just keep on waiting. You just keep on trusting. And you just have a little patience with me because he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Hey, he's not through. The Bible said that he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. You may see something in me this morning that you don't like. I got bad news for you. I know more about me that I don't like than you know about me that you don't like. There's a lot of things about me that I don't like. But I know this. He ain't done yet. He's still working. He's still doing some things in my life. Woo. Hallelujah. It will. Let me give you this last one. We'll be through. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth. Uh-oh. I should have stopped on the last one. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth my wife who don't like the way I worship. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth the king that's tried to kill me over and over. Matter of fact, the Lord will perfect that which concerneth my own son who's tried to take the life of his father. He said, Lord, it's not my wife. And it's not Saul. And it's not Absalom. But Lord, don't quit working until you got me where you want me to be. If anybody had a good chance to explain to God how bad he needed to go fix his enemies. You ever told God about your enemies and how bad he needed to go get them? Or am I the only one? I'm telling y'all, y'all got a bad preacher preaching for y'all today. Y'all ever seen the Twitter account, Bad Preachers? I'm on there, matter of fact. It's an honor. <laughs> matter of fact, they might find this sermon today and find something to point out about it that I said something crazy. Hey, man, it's an honor to be on there. I shouldn't give them free publicity like this. Don't go look at their junk. When I have been there, where I, brother, forgive me. He's still working on me. Let's not forget that point. Where I have been in the place where I said, God, if you would just get them, it'd be a lot easier. If you'd just go after my enemy, if you would just go after that guy, if you would just keep their mouths closed, it'd be a whole lot easier. Remember that little story I was telling you all about, hotel, phone number, wanting to call a guy, and God showed up, and I was like, eh, not a good time. I was trying to get God to go get. He said, well, before I do all that, let's talk about you. Let's talk about your heart. Let's talk about your great level of humility we see here. Let's talk about your pride. Let's talk about what your sermon sounds like. Let's talk about the song you sing. Let's talk about the way you live. Let's talk about your home. Let's talk about your marriage. Let's talk about your children raising. Let's talk about everything that concerns you before I go do anything with anybody else. I want to get down there where you're living. Amen. Come on, sis, if you don't mind.
My mama, she used to sing a song years ago. She said, my heart is like a house. She talked about how that heart is like a place that God dwells in, and it is. And the course said, is there a place in your heart that even you don't want to go? There's some things hidden there you don't want no one to know. But he's handed me the key. And at the end of that song, it says, all he says is, let me in your secret place. It ain't my mama. It ain't my brother, my sister. But it's me, oh Lord. That's some of the best preaching David's ever done. It's when he said, I got a lot of enemies. But the first person that needs work this morning, Lord, it's me. And I will, I, I'm trying to be honest with y'all. That's all I know to do. I've got a lot of situations right now that I wish God would just go. Psh, wipe them problems off my map, God. Wipe these issues clean. Got, unfortunately, I got some enemies like David had. And it seems like they don't do nothing but stand on their little soapboxes and say all they want to say. And they ain't had a thing done to them. And I'm wondering, Lord, why in the world do they get to do what they're doing and I don't? About the time I get that out of my mouth, he says, yeah, let's talk about that. And I wonder if there's something in your heart this morning that God's saying, let's talk about it. It ain't them, it's you. I want to help you. Maybe today you need to grab a hold of those details. And maybe you've been struggling saying, Lord, I don't understand why. How come I can't do this? How come I can't do that? And what you need to understand is simply this. God's not through with you. You've been saved two years. You barely can walk spiritually. Can't hardly talk spiritually. He's just a babe in Christ. And oftentimes people get such, such pressure put on them as new Christians. Hey, and I'm not, I'm preacher, I hope you understand. I'm not trying to give a license to sin. I'm not trying to give a license to coast. I say if you've been born again, God's changed your life. Hit the gas pedal as hard as you can, child of God. Serve Him. Walk away from those things that you used to be a part of. Let God change your life. But if there's some things that are being hung over your head and it just seems like, Lord, how come the victory's not here? Lord, how come I've not gotten past this stage? Remember this, He's not done. He's not done. Maybe this morning somebody's been trying to move you around as dictator. Maybe you just need to come and say, Lord, I ain't let no man, nobody, and no thing play in dictator in my life. Lord, I want you to be the director of my life. Let's stand all together this morning. How many of you need to find a place? Maybe you want to come and find a place and say, Lord, thank you that I've lived Psalm 138.8. 
thank you that I've made these decisions like David has. Lord, and I've watched as you've put it all together in my life the way it's supposed to be. David's had his ups, David's had his downs, but before his life was over, God said this about David, he's a man after my own heart. That's where I want to end, chasing after God like I never have before. Father, in Jesus' name we love you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you do want to direct our paths, guide us, and teach us, Lord, every day in our lives. Help us not to be sidetracked by the enemy or by man, by family, by brethren, but, Lord, help us to keep our eyes upon Jesus. Lord, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We thank you and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.